91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. This is a scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live to WeagleFM.com. Thank you for joining the program here live from the Bradley Basin Studios. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Mr. Jacob Hillman. Got an action-packed show, including Auburn versus Ole Miss, NFL updates, and Jacob's Braves advanced to the World Series and stole game one on the road. We're going to get to all that and more here live on Weagle 91.1 FM. But first, Jacob, how are you today? Well, yesterday I would have been much happier than I am today, but... You know what? It is what it is. Like you said, the Braves stole game one, and that's the most important thing. You know, get one in Houston, come home, and 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 get two out of three, and then go back to Houston, and you just got to grab one more. So I'm taking this thing one game at a time, but th- that's where I'm at. We'll get into it more later in the show. I- I'm just happy the rain stopped this morning. The rain was – the well, the weather this morning uh, was kind of – I know you heard on the War Eagle weather just now if you're tuning in uh, right for our show, but the weather today has not been the prettiest. Um, hopefully, and it should, uh, clear up by this Saturday. It's currently sunny outside here on the Plains. 69 degrees, mostly cloudy, a little bit of breeze in the air. Um, but it, none, it did feel nice when I was walking over to the studio. But nonetheless, we're going to get into Saturday's game like we just mentioned. Number 18 Auburn welcomes to town the number 10th ranked Ole Miss Rebels and Lane Kiffin. Uh, a 5-2 and two versus a 6-1 and one matchup. Despite Auburn being ranked lower, the Auburn Tigers are actually the favorite in this game by a 2.5-point spread, uh, which cr- quite frankly scares the crap out of me, to be honest. So, I, you know, <laughs> headed into this game, I feel confident, but I'm also I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic because of what this Ole Miss team is. You know, we saw them put up 52 on Arkansas, but they also gave up 51 against Arkansas. You saw what they did against LSU, but that was coming off a week where LSU agreed to uh, to to fire, or I guess Ed Orgeron and LSU came to agreement that he would not be the coach after this year. So I'm really, I'm optimistic, but like I said, keeping it low-key because, like, like you said, it's a scary team you're facing this weekend. It is, and if you're an Auburn fan, a little bit of comfort does come from this series history. The Tigers do lead all-time in the series record, 34-11, to against Ole Miss, and Auburn has also won five straight in this series, and they've outscored Ole Miss in that uh, time span, 135-82, to um, and Auburn is 16-3 and in Jordan-Hare. So you've got to be pretty confident in the series history if you're an Auburn fan, um, but there's a lot of different things to look at in this game if you are the Auburn Tigers, so let's go ahead and get into it. First of all, Auburn gets off of a bye week. Um, coming off of a huge win against Arkansas, which we talked about on last week's episode. If you want to go back and listen to that episode of the scoreboard, you can. Um, But they're coming off that huge win, have two weeks to really um, correct any mistakes they've had in the past few weeks and prepare for a deadly Ole Miss offense. Um, So what are we thinking about this game, the bye week? Obviously, Matt Corral, the Heisman frontrunner, coming to town. A night game in a cool Jordan-Hare Stadium in an orange out. I mean, there's just so many different things to look at. Yeah, there's a – I mean – like you said, the the night game, the atmosphere is going to be crazy. I hope that the students decide to dress better than they did in 2019 when it was really cold because it, the showing was not great from the students uh, at, in the fourth quarter of that game, and that was a close, tight football game. So hopefully the students stick it out this year and really bring the atmosphere. Looking at it on the football field, 
Matt Corral, like you said, he is a fantastic player. He he really has dominated this year. And like you said, Heisman front runner. Uh, he he is going to be dangerous with his legs as well as his arms. So it, it's it's going to be one of those things where the defense has to have the correct game plan, and I trust Derek Mason to do that and really limit him on what he does. I think if you limit his legs, then it takes away exactly. that massive aspect of his game, and you really have a chance to shut down the Ole Miss offense. And that's what I was going to move on towards was him during that Tennessee game, the infamous golf ball and mustard bottle game. Uh, Tennessee had a huge problem with stopping Matt Corral while he was on his feet, scrambling out of the pocket, running for a first down. And that's really where Tennessee lost that game. I truly believe they could have upset Ole Miss if they could have contained Corral. So the biggest thing for Auburn is getting a good pass rush, but also containing Corral. You also possibly get Owen Papo back for this week. So maybe a QB spy, letting Zacoby McLean and Chandler Luton go out in coverage um, within the front seven. So like you said, Derek Mason is an experienced coordinator. He should be ready for that challenge. But in the secondary, one guy to look for, Nehemiah Pritchett. He ranks eighth in the SEC uh, and combined kick returns, but on special teams, he'll be deadly as well, like I just mentioned. He's somebody that's really picked up his game lately, and we saw that at Arkansas. We didn't touch on him much, um, but Matt Corral, like we've been talking about, that dude is just an absolute baller. He is, and I, I think it's going to be it's, it's gonna be fun to watch. I think he and Bo Nix might have a bit of a duel where they're going back and forth. I expect a high-scoring game this weekend, yeah. and I, I really think it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Corral has thrown for almost 2,000 yards already this season, 15 touchdowns and only one pick. Um, and they're averaging almost 550 yards of offense as well. So without a doubt, the work is cut out for Auburn on the defensive side of the ball. Moving to offense, we talked about last week on the episode of the scoreboard, Bo Nix having the best game of his road career, maybe his career as a whole. Uh, Threw for nearly 300 yards at Arkansas, really commanded the game well, had nice feet, um, threw the ball very well. What's going to be the key for him and Auburn on offense against this Ole Miss defense who really hasn't lived up to the challenge against some high-powered offenses this year like Bama and even a decent offense in Tennessee? Well, I really think it's the receivers getting comfortable. Now Bo Nix can trust those guys. I think Javarius Johnson is a guy that that Bo Nix is starting to trust a lot, and he is that deep ball threat. He said it in his presser on Wednesday that he, he, he said, Javarius is our deep ball guy. So I really think that him, Kobe Hudson, uh, you got Demetrius Robertson, those guys are not dropping as many passes as they did against Georgia and even prior to that in the season. They're starting to make sure they catch those passes, and they're making big plays of it. Demetrius Robertson had the 71-yard touchdown. Kobe Hudson had a ton of receptions against Arkansas, and of course, Johnson also had the deep touchdown to open up the scoring against Arkansas. If those receivers are comfortable, as well as the tight ends, who Bo has really been spreading it to, especially against Arkansas, then you're looking at another big game for Bo Nix. Yeah, I think a huge thing is just going to be, like you said, Bo just being comfortable with the receivers once again. Against Arkansas, that was obviously the thing going in to the game on offense that everybody was going to be looking at was the receivers, the receivers, the receivers. And they dropped one ball by true freshman Landon King, who also that's the only pass he's dropped so far this year that he should have caught. Um, and he, he said that was just those guys have been putting in that work. He said, when those guys play well, we really and truly have a chance to win. Um, so I'm on the same page as you. Their key to offense is going to be Bo to con- consistently play like he did on the road in Arkansas um, and have that connection with his receivers. I also would like to add, uh, I think it's going to take a lot for the running backs too because they, we didn't see a whole lot of them against Arkansas and we really didn't see anything out of the running backs um, against Georgia either. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think the running game is definitely something that you need to take advantage of. We saw what Tank Bigsby did against Ole Miss last year and – 
he definitely has the capability to do it again. And of course, you also have Jarquez Hunter that can really, really run that ball. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the running game does because if you solidify that running game going into November, Auburn has a chance to do something really great and something really special in November. Yeah, when Auburn has two 100-yard rushers this season so far, they're 2-0. and So, I'm just saying. Also, another thing to look out for on the offense. We, uh, I don't even think we even touched on this last week. Was or I think we mentioned it was the fact that um, Austin Troxel was banged up with an injury in that O line that's just been constantly shuffling this year. Um, what should we ex- expect out of the O line next week against a versatile Ole Miss front seven? It seems like Troxel will be back, but even if he's not, Killian Zaire really did a good job replacing him. And I think what you expect from the O line is just constant improvement because they are not quite where you want them to be yet. But it feels like every single week they keep every single week it's a new and new. Uh, improvement, something different. The run game, I think the run blocking is where you see uh, the improvement this week, especially against the Ole Miss team that, yes, this is a much better Ole Miss defense than usual. They yeah. still have their struggles against the run game. Yeah, they do. They still struggle against the run game. Um, and I r- truly think that when Auburn gets that run game established, I mean, Ole Miss allows almost 200 rushing yards a game. So if Auburn can get no matter who's on that front uh, offensive line on the front, Whoever is up there, if they can get them established, if they can get them to run block well to open up that passing game, I think that actually takes a lot of pressure off the shoulders of Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and guys like Sean Shivers. Uh, Carnell Cadillac Williams this week, um, I believe he said on Tiger Talk it was with Andy Burcham and Brad Law, said that he trusts all three of those guys. They all put in the work. He likes all of them, and he trusts them all. Um, and for me personally, that's something that's kind of been bothering me lately with the Auburn offense has been not seeing as much production out of the backfield uh, running-wise. But if you're going to do it, this week might be a really good week to go ahead and work on that, especially before you go into College Station next week. Well, yeah, and I like what he says about trusting all three guys because you've got Bigsby that you know is such a dynamic player. He's a special back. Sean Shivers, he's been here for a long time. He's made huge plays in his career. And then you got Jarquez Hunter, who – Clearly has been putting in the work in the offseason in his freshman year. I, he's a strong guy. He knows how to run the football. And when he's had his opportunity, he has really done a good job at grasping it. Like that that run against Penn State with the hurdle, that final drive against LSU. Jarquez Hunter, I thought he was going to be special next year. He already is pretty special what he's done as a freshman. Yeah, he has been special, and that's somebody we weren't really expecting. We were all talking about Tank, 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 which Tank hasn't gone anywhere. Um, Tank's kind of had a he had a strong t- start to the season, and that's what's been bothering me. I know he had a rushing touchdown against Arkansas, um, but he wasn't used as much, and I know that's because Bo's arm has only improved, especially since LSU. Um, but I would still like to see that balance, and I don't know who it was in the in the beat that said that this week in the press conference about. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Was, I think it was on a teleconference that I'm not sure who it was. But they said that Auburn does not have the Auburn rushing numbers this yeah. year, and Coach Harson said, "I don't know what that is." Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's obviously in reference to was it six or seven straight years of a? Shoot, it might have been eight or nine. But yeah, yeah, of a one thousand yard rusher on the Auburn football team, and Auburn hasn't had one since twenty seventeen uh, with Carryon Johnson. So thanks, Booby Whitlow. <laughs> but Tank has a chance to do it, though. He does, and and I'm not saying he he won't get it, but I I think. That is Auburn's biggest key because once he gets going, we saw that against Penn State. In the second and third quarter, in the middle 30 of the game, he really got going, and that allowed for Bo to get some passes downfield. Um, and once they kind of stopped running him and Jarquez, the the passing game stalled. Well, yeah, I see, I think that's part of We talked about last week where it feels like we're kind of establishing the pass before the yes, run. Yes, exactly. I don't think that's going to last you the whole entire season. You're going to have to be able to establish the run first before you 
really sling it at some point this year. And I think this week might be the week that you make sure you can do that because I think you can go out and you can do what you did against Arkansas and beat Ole Miss. But I don't know if that's going to be the case at Texas A&M and definitely against Alabama. So I think you want to go out and really test that trio of running backs, especially the offensive line as well, and see what they're really made of because your goal should be to get to those Auburn numbers that that reporter was referring to. Rush for almost 300 yards, two to 300 yards as a team. Because also, we haven't talked about Bo Nix's legs, they are a weapon. So I I think you do that and – you're really set up nicely going into November. Yeah, no argument for me on that one. You hit the nail on the head. Um, but anyways, now that we've talked about both sides of the ball, what we think about it, with just a few minutes left in our first segment today, let's get into it. Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium, Auburn hosts Ole Miss. Who do we have in this night game, and what's the score? What do we think is going to happen? Well, like I said, I expect a lot of points this year. Auburn is actually a three-point favorite. Uh, maybe two and a half. I, it's, it's been fluctuating a lot. As It'll probably get closer before Saturday. Exactly. I think, see, really, going into the week, I thought Auburn would be the underdogs, but I think that just speaks to the home field advantage that Jordan-Hare Stadium provides, and that is why Auburn is favored. And I do think Auburn wins. I think they win. I mean, I think these, I think these games are in the 30s. I think the scores yeah. are in the 30s, you know, 38, 35 maybe, 38, 34, something like that. That's my score prediction with Auburn winning. I'm scared to pick Auburn because, like I said, it scares the crap out of me that Auburn's a home favorite. Um, just because it's, and I'm maybe I'm just so so. Uh, You're paranoid. I'm paranoid, but superstitious. I don't want to think that the team's hearing this or we're talking about it, which what we say has no effect on our football whatsoever. We have no influence around here, so um, so I won't let that phase me. I I will agree with you. I've been doubting Auburn. I picked against them against Arkansas. I picked against them against LSU. Um, I will pick Auburn to win this game, and I'm in agreement with you. However, I think Ole Miss gets held under the 30. I think really? I think Ole Miss gets a very slow start in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, first quarter, I don't think they do much, but I don't think Auburn does either. I think the second quarter and the fourth quarter is where both teams really put points up on the board. I say Auburn wins something like last year, like a 35-28 or 38-28. Um not a boy, not a yeah. This, this you know what I'm saying. This could be something like the, the 2019 Iron Bowl, where nothing really happened in the first quarter, and then a wacky five minutes to yeah. the first half, yeah. and who knows what's gonna happen on Saturday. I think this is gonna be one of the craziest games of the year. It could, and I mean, this honestly, this might be the best game to watch this weekend. Easily, it, I mean, not even just in the SEC. Uh, well, Michigan, and Michigan State. I mean, yeah, we're gonna get to those. We'll get games, to that though. too. Yeah. On the other side of the break is when we're gonna get to them. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeGoFM.com. Jacob Hillman joined by Bay Marks as usual. As we get into these college football predictions, it is week nine. You know, we're almost to the point where we're getting college football playoff rankings. Not yet, though. I believe that might be next week. As it's it's a it's a better week than last week. We'll say that. We'll say that yeah. much. Still, it's still not even that great. It, um, it's, it's not. As there are two ranked the or three ranked the rank matchups, including Auburn, Ole Miss, and one of them I think will be a blowout, which we will get to later. But we're gonna start off with the morning slate, probably the game of the day. Are we skipping Fun Belt? I mean, let's, uh, I mean, what, Coastal and Troy? Well, what are you picking? Are you picking Coastal by 30? Yeah, yeah they're wearing the black uniforms. Yeah, Coastal by 30. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Michigan-Michigan State will start with the best game on the slate. 
The number six Wolverines travel to East Lansing to face the number eight Spartans as college game day will be there. This is the big noon Saturday game. Bay, who are you taking? I'm going to take Michigan State at home. Um, I, I think it's been a while since they've really felt that taste of success. Um, I really like what I've seen this year so far to Peyton Thorne in that offense. I liked what I saw against down against Miami down in South Florida. Again, that's just Miami, so it's not saying much. Um, their schedule has not been as pre- as impressive as most top 10 teams, and same as Michigan. So we'll really get a taste of what both teams are like this weekend facing each other. But I like Michigan State. I like the home field advantage. I would have really liked them if this was a night game. Um, but 11 a.m. kickoff regardless. I think it's going to be a super close game. The spread's four in favor of Michigan. Um, obviously, I have Michigan State covering. I think it's going to be a very close game, um, and Sparty comes out on top. So this year has been different for Michigan, in my opinion, because of the quarterback play. I think McNamara, I cannot say McNamara. his name. Yeah, McNamara, thank you. He, he he doesn't have the crazy stats, but he's not turning the ball over. He's really doing a good job at just – being the game manager and really doing his thing and making sure Michigan wins these ball games as as they're able to run the ball, 10 touchdowns for Corum. So I'm thinking Michigan, and I think that they do cover this. I think this is the year that Michigan gets into the Big Ten Championship, and they have a chance at the college football playoff. I think a big thing also to look for in this game, Kenneth Walker, him versus that Michigan rush defense. True. Michigan only allows 116 yards a game. He's rushed for 1,000. Watch for that. Another Big Ten matchup. Iowa coming off a big loss to Purdue uh, they travel to Wisconsin. Is there another upset brewing in the Big Ten? No, I like Iowa bouncing back. Uh, that's a game that they just got absolutely embarrassed. Not even in, at Purdue. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were watching that game. It's like this is this is at Iowa. No, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I like them on the road. I like their bounce back. Um, I think that they're going to be able to take care of business. Um, Wisconsin just it hasn't been their year this year. Um, granted, they did beat Purdue at Purdue, so um, we'll see what happens with this game. But so far, I'm really liking Iowa. Yeah, I, I mean, Wisconsin's actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite as they are at home. Uh, this is also at 11 a.m. I'm picking Iowa as well. I don't think – I mean, this that was the typical Iowa game that proved to us that Iowa is not a college football playoff contender, and if they do happen to make it, they're probably not going to do much. It, but I still think they're better than Wisconsin. Graham Mertz, just he is not figuring it out. I'm not sure he ever will. So I'm picking Iowa on the road. Big 12, this is a – I mean – this game, I think, is the most important game in the Big 12 this season. Texas and Baylor. The Bears are ranked 16th in the country at 6-1. and one. Their lone loss was at Oklahoma State. Texas is coming off two losses against number 6 Oklahoma and number 12 Oklahoma State. Yeah, Texas can stay in the conversation of the Big 12 champ if they win this game. Um, but I like Baylor at home. I don't like Texas's defense as much. Um, in this game, which is why I'm going to pick against them. They haven't really been able to hold up. We saw that against Oklahoma. They couldn't really get a lot of stops against Oklahoma State to help the offense pull out a victory. So I like Baylor at home, um, and I think Baylor can seriously give Oklahoma a run for their money um, for the Big 12 title this year, either them or Oklahoma State, depending on whoever comes out on top in that matchup. But um, for this game, I do like the Baylor Bears. Yeah, Jerry Bohannon has been great for Baylor this year. I mean, I mean, 12 touchdowns, one interception, kind of like McNamara at – Michigan, but I mean, he's doing a little bit more dynamic things with the football. So I, I do like Baylor in this game, and I do like uh, the Bears to really contend with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State for that Big 12 title. And I, I really think that Baylor is an interesting case just because of how, you know, I guess under the radar they've been. Yeah. No one's really talked about them, even though they've got yeah. a ton of offense. Well, I think one thing for them that hurt them was that Oklahoma State loss. True. Um, a lot more. They could yeah, be they top 10 right points. now. Yeah. yeah. They would be a top 10 team right now if they would have won. 
All right, last 11 a.m. game that we're going to talk about, even though we know who we're picking in this game, let's talk about Pitt. Seventh seed of the country. They have a they have an outside shot at the college football playoff if they win out. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, we're gonna, we're both going to pick Pitt against Miami. Miami's not it. But what is it that Pitt has to do to really give themselves a chance at getting into the playoff? They have to win the ACC. Um, the way Clemson's played this year, it's obviously open for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, their division, they're winning it, obviously, um, because right behind is Virginia at 4-2 in conference play, and then you have North Carolina and everybody else. The biggest question mark is going to be if they're going to have to get through Wake Forest or NC State to win the conference, and I honestly think Pitt will win the ACC this year. Having said that, I think what you said, winning out and winning that ACC championship game, I say they get the four seed, three or four seed in the college football playoff. Because think about it, Georgia and Bama will get two other spots. Unless Auburn beats Bama. Right. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to hold one for the Big Ten. Um, and maybe Oklahoma slips in. We don't know. So I think if Pitt slips in, it will be that four seed. I think what's going to be so important are those first college football playoff rankings because it's yeah. going to gauge where how they view Pitt. Yeah. They're 17th in the AP poll. If they're higher in the college football playoff rankings than they are in the AP poll, I think that they do have a good chance to get in. That being said... I don't know how they're going to view it because of how weak the ACC looks this year. So yeah. it's going to come down to Pitt and I think Wake Forest, and uh, we'll find out in December. All right, another uh, another game that we kind of know what's going to win on, but we're going to talk about number one Georgia against Florida uh, down in Jacksonville, the yeah. CBS game. Uh, what, what do you think? How bad do you think Georgia's going to win this game? <laughs> well, you you want to say with this game, you truly never know. Just like the Iron Bowl, just like any other big rivalry, you never know who's going to win. But this year. That, that's a little bit different. Georgia <laughs> Georgia is different. So yes. yes. Um, obviously, we're going to take Georgia. I think Georgia covers the spread. It's a 14-point spread in their favor. Florida has just been a they, – they've been a mess, man. Ever since they, they really lost have. to Alabama by two, they bounced back against Tennessee, a horrible loss to Kentucky, and then their only other win after that was Vandy because they lost at LSU. Um, they can't get their offense really figured out with the two-quarterback situation. And I'm going to stand by my word, Dan Mullen's just not – I don't think he's that great of a head coach. I had high hopes for Florida this year, and I, I credited that to what Dan Mullen has done with quarterbacks like Dak Prescott and Tim Tebow. And he finally I, had Emory Jones. That's why yeah. I, I thought he was going to do it with Emory Jones, and they, they have a quarterback controversy with Anthony Richardson as well. Yeah. And when your only two SEC wins are against Tennessee and Vanderbilt, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you put up 42 against LSU and you lose, I, yeah. I would love – so you go back in time and tell a Florida fan, y'all are going to score 42 points against LSU and lose, lose. and just see their face. Because yeah. if, if you had told me before that game that they were going to put up 42, I would have called you and lose. I would have called you nuts. Yeah, especially but, knowing that we all knew LSU wasn't going to be good. Right. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, it, that's LSU. This is not typical LSU. This is this LSU team. So, yeah, I'm picking Georgia, and I'm picking them big, 20-point win. Yeah. And I really don't think there's ever going to be a point in that game where there is any doubt. No. Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Texas Tech just fired their head coach. Oklahoma's ranked fourth in the country. Is this one of those games where maybe Tech can just catch Oklahoma slipping at 2.30 on ABC? No, I think Oklahoma wins this game. They struggled last week against uh, Kansas on the road a little bit. They only won by 12, which in Arkansas, or in Oklahoma terms, that's not by a lot. Um, I think uh, Caleb Williams will be the difference maker again. I think Spindler Rattler is going to be in the transfer portal sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of enough that you have to say about this game, especially with Texas Tech firing their coach. They're a 19 and a half point spread. Do they cover? Probably. Yeah. Probably. At, at home, is in the second and third quarter when they're just pouring it on, Oklahoma at home. Yeah, I think Oklahoma is just another interesting case where 
They've got the quarterback situation. They almost blew it against Kansas last week. And I, I really think that they're going to do a good job and they're going to keep it rolling. And it's going to be, it's going to come down to Bedlam and then the Baylor game as well. Uh, I, I think one other thing to say, I, I just, just completely random. What about that nine overtime game? I mean, we're not going to talk about Penn State. <laughs> do or, we like the overtime or, rule? No, I hate it. Yeah, That's horrible. Terrible. We'll predict the Penn State game in a second. But, yeah, we yeah we are. But, but I, yeah, I just, rules horrible. horrible. I just I also I, hate how they're framing it as the longest college football game ever. But it's because of the new overtime yeah. rule. In, in that case, we'll just go ahead and move yes. on to Penn State, Ohio State. Ohio State, a eighteen and a half point favorite in Columbus. I mean, is there any way Penn State bounces back from what happened last week? No, and I think it was uh, the show on Weagle Tank Talks Football, I believe, yesterday Dylan afternoon. Lark. Yes. Um, I was listening to a show in the car. It's a great show if you want to check it out. And he made a really good point. Ever since the Ohio State-Oregon game, the team that won and the team that lost have both started trending in the opposite directions. Really? Yeah. I mean, Oregon's still a top-10 team, but they're not as good as they were then. Ohio State's a lot better than they were. They are. Um, CJ Stroud is the man. So yeah, keep that in mind. I like Stroud at home, uh, and I think Penn. And I hate to say that because that just makes Auburn's loss look worse. Interesting. I don't think that matters very much. Yeah, I don't think it's just because if Auburn wins out, they win the SEC championship. They're in the playoffs. Well, anybody that watches that game knows Auburn could have and maybe should have won that game, playing as bad as they did. Yeah. So I like Ohio State. All right. I also like Ohio State. I don't know if they're going to cover that eighteen and a half points, but I think they're going to win pretty easily. CJ Stroud will have a big game. All right. I'm going to look at this SEC game. Number twelve, Kentucky. Goes to Starkville. Is there a chance at an upset? There is a chance at an upset, but I don't think it happens. Um, Kentucky's only one and a half point favorites. Yeah, yeah I, I see that. Um, I, I really like Will Levis, and I like what I've seen out of Kentucky. Um, of course, they lost to Georgia by twenty or by seventeen. Excuse me. Um, but before that, I really liked what, they, what I saw to them. They had a bye week this past week, just like Auburn did. I think that gave them time to recoup, regenerate, refix their mistakes. Um, and I think they go on the road, and I think they're going to take care of Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Um, and I don't think Mike Leach will be there much longer unless he's there for maybe another year. Yeah, I, I like I like Chris Rodriguez to run all over the Bulldogs and win that game by about 10 points. All right, North Carolina goes to Notre Dame. This is an interesting game as Notre Dame comes off a close-ish win against USC. Yeah. North Carolina's not the team we thought they were. Uh, Sam House still putting up decent numbers. Do the Tar Heels get it done in Notre Dame? I think Notre Dame wins at home. If this game was in Dunder De- or, uh, North, North Carolina, Carolina, I think North Carolina comes out at home with a victory. But just because of Cohen and them at home, I just think it's going to be harder to win there. So give me the fight in Irish. I'm with you. And I, I really think that Notre Dame wins that pretty easily. One more game really quickly. Fresno State, San Diego State, 6-2 and two Bulldogs against 7-0 Aztecs. You know what's crazy? Bulldogs <clears throat> average 341 yards passing per game. And San Diego State's only 121 yards passing per game. That'll be a fun game to watch. Give me the upset. Give me Fresno State. They're going <laughs> to sling it all over their place. Those were our college football predictions for this upcoming weekend. You are listening to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. And we're back from that commercial break. It is Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on The Scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, thank you for listening to the scoreboard today on Thursday, October 28th. If you want to call into the scoreboard live from the studio, you can do that at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Those last four digits spell out Weagle. Fun fact. So, first half of today's show is done. If you want to go back and listen to Jacob and my, my uh, excuse me, uh, recap uh, of this week in college football, the predictions, Auburn versus Ole Miss, 
all of that great stuff. The first half of the show will be on our recording today on anywhere you find your podcast with the second half of the show that is up next. And we're starting it out with the NFL. Moving on to this week in the NFL is week eight. Tonight, a huge NFC matchup with my Green Bay Packers traveling to Arizona. Green Bay is one in three in their last four trips to Arizona and have lost three straight. Green Bay is also battling a lot of people being on the COVID list, a few of them being Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, uh, Valdez Scantling. So they're pretty banged up, and Jair Alexander will not be playing. Um, so does Aaron Rodgers and the crew continue their win streak, or do the Cardinals stay undefeated? Because these are the two longest winning streaks in the NFL. It is because Green Bay, ever since that blowout in week one, has just been so, so good. And and it's also an, it's also another thing just – this is one of the best Thursday night matchups we've ever gotten, I think. It's a pretty good Thursday night matchup. Easily one of the best. And it's and, a short week for both teams. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's what's so tough about Thursday night football and hard to pick these games is who is going to be the most prepared coming off a short week. And I really think with all like Adams out and things like that, I do think Arizona gets to win. I think it's going to be a close game. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. I mean, I think they win by, like, a field goal. Yeah, the interesting thing with this is Green Bay secondary – uh, I forgot what statistical uh, statistical category. Golly, my brain's broken. Uh, it is, but they've statistically played better than uh, pretty much any secondary in the NFL this year. Um, and Arizona is now without J.J. Watt, who's probably going to be out the rest of the season with a, a shoulder injury. Um, but having said that, I think Arizona gets it done at home as well. I think Aaron Rodgers and crew um, lose by about 7 to 10 points. I don't see them coming out of Arizona in the desert with a win. Yeah, and I think that another thing about Arizona is this is truly a great football team. This is not some fluky 7 to no, no start. They are good. Is Murray the front runner for the MVP? Gotta be. Okay. If, but, if, I'm if, just saying, if they win tonight on, in this primetime game and he has a good performance, Absolutely. People say it's between him, Brady, and Allen right now, so we'll see how they play out. Yep. Moving on, your Carolina Panthers, Jacob, traveling to Atlanta for an NFC South Division matchup, and y'all are the underdogs by three. Do we have to talk about the Panthers anymore? I'd like Mm -hmm. to not. You know what? Hillman curse is in full effect. This is so tough. I mean, Sam (laughs) Sam Donald got benched last week. I love me some P.J. Walker, though. I don't think he's going to be able to get it. I I don't know who the starter's going to be this week, but I, I imagine it'll be Darnold. Uh yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it matters. I think the Falcons will get the win at home. I think that Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley are starting to find that connection again because uh, Riley did, really did not score for a whole month, and yeah. he finally got a touchdown last week against the Dolphins. So I think that that leads to some momentum. The Falcons are going to be average this year. I think they might go like 8-9, and nine, honestly. I think yeah. they're going to rebound off a bad start, and this is the start of it. Falcons have won three out of their last four, um, and I think they win it at home. I didn't like the Sam Darnold pickup. Uh, for the Panthers, um, I've never been a huge Sam Darnold fan. And ever since, let's just acknowledge this, ever since the Houston win, Jacob said uh, y'all would start 8-2, and two, and y'all are now 3-4. and four. Just just putting that out there. We, we, we lost every game since I said that. So Miami traveling to Buffalo. Uh, people want to <laughs> know if Tua feels wanted in Miami, but this divisional matchup can be a stepping stone in Josh Allen's MVP conversation. So Here's a real question. How much does Buffalo uh, hey, win by? I'll tell you who wants Tua. Is that Bills defense? Because yeah. I think they're going to eat. And I think, yeah, the Bills are a 14-point favorite. Josh Allen, like you said, it's between Brady, Murray, and Allen. I agree with that. Uh, Rogers is in that conversation as well. Possibly, he, yeah. he keeps it up. But I do think that the Bills are just such a well-rounded football team. I mean, there's so many guys that are doing great things for them. I think they win this game by 20. Yeah, I think Buffalo wins at home pretty handily. Miami's not anything special, and Brian Flores is really, uh, his seat is really hot right now. 
an underrated NFC matchup just because both these teams are sub 500. <laughs> Chicago hosting the 49ers, uh, and the 49ers are a four-point favorite. I think the 49ers on the road get it done. Um, I think that they um, look a little bit better so far than Chicago. Um, they have lost four straight. They started off 2-0. It's their time to bounce back, and Chicago will lose their third consecutive game, uh, all three to being NFC opponents. Yeah, it's it's tough for the Bears because Justin Fields isn't quite ready yet to be throwing the ball downfield. And, and, and really, a lot of guys have that year. Yeah, it, it I mean, is what it is, and I think Fields will be fine. I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but this year it just is not it, and I think that – the 49ers are going to be able to take advantage of that. I don't think the 49ers are as bad as their record indicates. No, they're I mean, not. Both of their wins are on the road. I just think that they go in, their defense really, really... Well, I mean, look, they lost to Green Bay, Arizona, and yeah. Seattle. I mean, really good football teams. Yeah. Seattle, maybe not. But besides the point, I do think that they walk in and they win this game. There will not be a lot of points in this game at yeah. all. Very interesting game as well. Cleveland hosting Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's kind of been the talk of the NFL the last few weeks with Ben Roethlisberger as well as Mike Tomlin. Being in the talks of USC's head coach, do not tell him he's in the talks. Did you see that? That was wow. He said, "Never say never," but never. No, he said, "No booster has a big enough check." That's blank. I think that was a challenge. (laughs) I think that was a challenge. (laughs) Um, Do we see the Steelers uh, knocking all that drama out of the way and getting a win on the road? No, and I don't think it's. I don't think that this is a discredit to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Browns are playing really good football. I think Case, if it's Keenum or Mayfield, it doesn't matter in my opinion. I think I, Mayfield has a chance to play. He does. I, with that injury, he's just got to wear like some crazy brace yeah. or something that yeah. is going to help him uh, play. But that doesn't matter to me either because I think Nick Chubb and, and Landry and, and Kareem Hunt, they're all playing really well and they're going to carry the Browns to a victory. I think despite Cleveland battling all those injuries, I still like them at home. They've been a better team consistently this year. Um, so I like them. Moving on, an NFC matchup of some very bad NFC teams. Philadelphia traveling to a Detroit team still searching for their first win. Uh, do they get that first win at home? Well, here's my take, is that the Lions are the greatest 0-7 team of all time. As I mean, just look at their losses. They're, they're unlucky. They're, they are fighting like crazy. They probably should have beat the Rams last week. They yeah. lost They lost by seven, or excuse me, nine, nine points. But I just thought they put up a good performance. That being said, being at home, I think they get it done against the Eagles. I do too. I think Jared Goff is going to have a good game, um, and I think Philadelphia still has some p- pieces on in their secondary on defense they need to look for. I know statistically they're not bad, but the eye test doesn't lie. Indianapolis hosting Tennessee in the AFC matchup. Uh, this is a divisional game. Who do we like in it? Well, Tennessee was a team that we didn't realize was as good as they are. I mean, they're coming off that – Big win over Kansas City. They started off very I mean, slow. I mean, huge win. 27-3. to Patrick Mahomes went down with an injury. I Listen, I, like I said, they beat the Bills and Chiefs back-to-back. The Titans might be for real, and they might be contenders. I also like the Colts. I think they're a good football team. There's a reason they're favored in this game. Part of it's because they're at home, but I think that this, I mean, if it's at Tennessee, they're only favored by two or three points. I'm picking the Titans on the road, Yeah, and I just think that, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry are such a fun matchup. And listen, A.J. Brown is finding his groove. Yeah, I like the Titans on the road. Um, both teams are on win streaks. The Titans three uh, three straight, Indianapolis two straight. But Indianapolis's uh, opponents have not lived up to the par of Tennessee's. I like Tennessee. They're riding a really big high, especially after that Buffalo game. Give me them on the road. I really like them with that momentum that they've been carrying. E- easy pick for this next one. <laughs> Cincinnati at New York. Cincinnati. I mean, 
But let's talk about Joe Burrow, Jamar oh, Chase, yeah. and CJ Uzama. Oh, CJ Uzama's been getting a lot of love on that team this year. Those that I mean, listen, that offense is so fun to watch. They gotta fix the offensive line, man. Yeah. Because Joe Mixon's a great running back as well. And and we saw what happened to Burrow last year. You cannot let that happen again. And I really hope the Bengals uh they really fix that offensive line and make sure they're successful for the next decade. Yeah, if they can get some help on that O-line, Joe Burrow could potentially be one of the greater quarterbacks we've seen in a while. Um, we'll just have to see how it pans out. But Jamar Chase is on pace to have the greatest rookie wide receiver season ever. I mean, he's the to sum it up. He's the leader for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think, oh, easily. undoubtedly, yeah. And I think that he will get it done. Also, do the Bengals win this division? You know what? It's a very interesting conversation to have because when you look at the standings, they are tied with Baltimore for the lead. And they have the tiebreaker. Um, and they do have the tiebreaker, yeah. So it's going to come down to them. I don't think Cleveland will win that division this year, and obviously it's not going to be Pittsburgh. Ask me again in three weeks. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good take. It's just a wait it out. They had their bye week in three weeks. Yeah, Coming off the, these next two games are New York and Cleveland, so yeah. But still, I think I want to see more from Baltimore after getting dominated. Los Angeles on the road, easy pick again at Houston. Los Angeles Rams, I think they covered to 14 and a half, half point spread. The Rams are contenders this year. Matthew Stafford finally got put on a team that it can actually do things. And yeah. I think that it's going to be fun to watch him in the playoffs and beyond. So, yeah, take, take me the Rams in, in a blowout. Two young gunslinging quarterbacks, Mac Jones, the rookie, facing second year quarterback Justin Herbert on the road in Los Angeles. Can the Patriots pull off a, a mini upset? No, I like Justin Herbert too much to pick against him at home. But I do think that Mac Jones is starting to come into his own. I know last week was against the Jets, but like he still went out there and he performed. And yeah. doing that in the NFL is not easy, no matter who you're playing against. So look out for the Patriots down the road to win some tough games. Not sure they're going to put a, make a playoff push, but I, I do like where – the Patriots are headed. Every week so far this year, New England's offense has improved, 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 yep. improved. I think this game will be a shootout. The spread is five in favor of Los Angeles. I think the Chargers win on a game-winning field goal in the last okay. few minutes. I, I, I See, I think it's going to be high-scoring, too. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers have been in high-scoring games this year, like that Browns game. So I I, I kind of like that pick. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I think the Chargers will cover. So mm. I'm Se with you. Seattle hosting a bad Jacksonville team. Well, I mean, Seattle, I mean, they're not that great. I mean, yeah. Like, they, they, Geno they, Smith. They should have won a, a game the other night with, with Smith um, against New Orleans. So I think the big thing with this game is the fact that this is a big test for Trevor Lawrence on the road. I'm going to pick Trevor Lawrence on the road. Me too. Because they're coming off a of bye week. They won their first game of the year in London right before that. I think they have a little bit of momentum. Let's see if Urban Meyer and them can't get the job done on the road. I like that pick. I, li I like Jacksonville in this game. I like Trevor Lawrence starting to figure things out and – and really show them why he's the number one overall pick. Real quick, so we have to go to break here in a minute. Denver hosting Washington. Who do you have? Yeah, well, uh, well I don't know. That's not that easy to pick. Broncos. <laughs> I have the Broncos solely because it's home field. Um, I do like Heineke, though. New Orleans hosting Tampa Bay in a divisional matchup. Man, I think that Jameis gives the Bucks a run for his money, but I don't think it's enough. I, I like the Tampa Bay to win, Saints to cover. I really like the way you described that. I think Jameis has a good shot of keeping this game interesting at the 325 slot. But you just you can't beat the goat, and I think the goat will get it done in uh, New Orleans. Hey, this might be one of Brady's best seasons ever. Hey, I'm not I'm not going to argue it. Crazy. With you. I think he has a lot more weapons. He does than yeah. what he had in New England. Minnesota hosting Dallas, five and one versus three and three. Who do you have winning? Yeah, I've got Dallas. I like I like what Dak's been doing this year, and the Vikings just are kind of inconsistent. Yeah, I Vikings mean, are. They're, I mean, they're in second place of our division. If, but well, that's not saying much yeah. with the other two teams besides <laughs> yeah. the Packers. So. If Dalvin Cook runs the ball really well, 
I do think that Minnesota wins, but I just I don't trust Alvin Cook to do that, so I'm picking the Cowboys. I'm going to pick the Cowboys, too. I think I really like them on the road to win that Sunday night football game. And Monday night football. Ooh. This matchup looks a lot more interesting now than <laughs> before the year started. Kansas City hosts the Giants. Picking the Chiefs, but if the Giants win this game, I think the Chiefs are bad. I mean, I just straight <laughs> I up. They're not good. I think Patrick Mahomes has a bounce back week after a career low 6.0 QBR last week. So we'll see. On the other side of the break, the scoreboard is going to finish today off with a World Series conversation with Jacobs Braves. Don't go anywhere. Bay Marks and Jacob Pullman live on the scoreboard. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WEGLFM.com. If you missed any part of the show earlier today or want to go back and listen to a previous episode, Search the scoreboard wherever you find your podcast and click that play button as I'm joined by Bay Mars. I'm Jacob Hillman, and it's been a roller coaster the last two days with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I, I, up and down. Yeah, I mean, what, what a start. I mean, it's the best of five now. Yeah, that's why right. you got to look at it. And that means the Braves have home field advantage they now. They sure do. So I just started off the way Solaire led off game one. <laughs> Was out of a dream. I'm yes. I mean, coming off the COVID list, did not play in the NLCS. He gets the leadoff spot over NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario. I was okay with it because of the pitching matchup. And Jorge Soler proved Ryan Snicker correct. Ryan Bliss versus Ole Miss esque in the yes. SEC tournament. Yes, but it's a little, but a lot bigger yeah, stage. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, <laughs> but that's just what it reminded calm me. Calm down. <laughs> but yes, leadoff homer in the top of the first inning. Yeah, and it was just such a. I mean. When that happened, no doubter. I really knew the Braves were going to win. And similarly, when Jose Altuve ripped that double down the line, I knew what was going to happen. I, you know, I got to watch the first couple innings and I had to go somewhere for the middle part of the game. But I got to return home at about the top of the seventh. I I know that y'all had the lead there towards the end of the game. Um, and when I came back home, uh, my roommate Tristan was like. Uh, Dude, Charlie Morton broke his leg. And I was like, nah. I was like, shut up. I was like, he's still got to be pitching. He's like, no, he legit yeah. broke his leg. And I was like, what happened? And he told me, and and y'all are pitching your bullpen. I think I really knew where y'all had the game won was the Astros were kind of, ooh, excuse me, kind of making an offensive push towards the end of the game. Um, and uh, he had that pa- or that throw off the left field wall. Um, oh, man. And, and Albies tagged out uh, Gary L at second base. What a throw that was. What a throw. Yeah. He's got to thank the, thank the ground screw yeah. for that little patch in front of the Right, exactly. But no, but no, that ball, perfectly timed, on the line. And credit to Ozzy Albies, because when you're in that position as well, you're in such a hurry-up mode to try and get the ball and tag him that you got to be calm, cool, and collected and trust your outfielder to put that ball on a line. Um, so game one overall, I mean, you couldn't have asked much more from the Braves. Now It was pretty much perfect. Yeah. Now game two, different story. So A little, I, more, a little bit more mistakes. I think the key... Every game is to be to hold Altuve in check. Whenever he p- performs well, yeah, the entire team for the Astros does. He was 0 for the first game, right? And yep. he was 2 for 5 last night. Yep. Yeah. And that's the big thing is that I, they just feed off his energy so much. I mean, he's a great player. I think we talked about we had the, talked about last week how is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. If I mean, if he has, if he wins a World Series MVP like this year, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that he and especially Correa. Correa went one for four last night, but those two kind of, they really, really operate uh, kind of together. 
whenever they're doing well, the entire Astros team is doing well as well. And I thought the pitching performance by Yerkwitty was so good as well. The Yeah, and and two things I'll add from the Braves besides the, the mistakes was, one, I know it didn't matter in the end, but seeing Darno go two for four, I mean, that's got to so be comforting because he hasn't really done that power hitting a lot lately. So encouraging. Um, so that's a, that's a positive offensively. B is, and I know you don't want me to say this, but Max Freed. I mean, giving up five in the first two innings, and then he still went on to pitch the first five innings, which is good for your bullpen because yes. y'all needed that. Um, so I think that was more of a snicker decision. But if you're going to want him down the stretch, I think if I'm a Braves fan, you're thinking, hey, like, I need this guy in check for these last five games because when we need him, especially if he's coming out of the bullpen, Freed's got to be on his stuff. He does. Especially with Charlie out now, he's got to be throwing gas. Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing is that that Morton injury – you didn't seem too devastating. Like, I, it was bad. I mean, I, absolutely. Alex, yeah. Alex Houston asked me uh, how bad on a scale of one to ten, how bad is it? And I, I said a nine. Yeah. But I wasn't like, I was just kind of okay. As long as Max goes out and performs well tonight, it's not a problem. Which he didn't. But he also, like you said, he ate up innings, and that's what's important. And I thought the interesting thing was throwing Smiley and Kyle Wright as well as Chavez in the bullpen. I know you don't. You're not going to throw Matt Sick or Jackson. They're your best relievers, but. You got a bullpen game coming up in game four. And I thought the way it was going to go, I guess they, I mean, they only, they only recorded three outs each and Chavez only recorded one. So I guess you do have the ability to throw them again, uh, especially on Saturday. But it's just, it was a weird strategy to me. I guess I thought you maybe throw some different guys and really set, set up Chavez to start game four and let Drew Smiley eat up some innings after that. And then Kyle Wright and, and guys like Kyle Muller come in. But I don't know. I, I'm waiting to see what happens tomorrow. I was going to say, tomorrow you have the pitching matchup. To start out the game, it's going to be Ian Anderson, the right-handed pitcher facing Luis Garcia, um, who pitched really well against the Red Sox. Um, and I said this this morning on Compact Discourse, if anybody wants to go back and listen to that, was I think the most encouraging thing for Atlanta right now is the fact that y'all are getting to go back home with home field advantage mm-hmm. three straight games. Yeah. Not two and then one and one. You get three in a row. Yeah, and I don't think you need to win all three. You need to win two, though. If you if Houston comes in and takes two out, you're not going to sweep. That's that what happened to the Red Sox. They didn't take advantage of home home yeah, field advantage. You're, you're right, and I think that's. I mean, that, that this is the key. This is the key. Getting two of those games because you know you don't you can't expect. I mean, you're like I said that bullpen game. I'm highly concerned about. I'm not looking forward to that. I think the Astros might take advantage of that. Of course, you never know. You never know. We saw what the bullpen game did against the Dodgers. It was very effective. So, I just. I just really think you grab two of those games and you are set up perfectly going back to Houston. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is learning from the Red Sox mistakes and the ALCS is you still game one on the road. Red Sox did that, drop game two. Red Sox come home, win game three, and then drop eggs in four, five, and six. Um, so I said it this morning, I'm going to stick to it. The biggest thing is taking care of that home field advantage because that's a fan base that's hungry. That's a fan base that hasn't seen a home game in a World Series since 1999. You know, it's crazy. Twice in this this month, we have witnessed things that didn't happen Yeah, when we were alive. Literally, yeah. the last time Auburn beat LSU was October of 99. Last time the Braves made it to the World Series, October of 99. Well, you know what's funny is is the LSU thing happened, and you and I both went. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. Great. And then <laughs> the Braves did that, and you're the first person I thought of. I was like, Dang, Jacobs had a great sports great month. Yeah, Auburn goes and beats Arkansas. Now we did lose to Georgia. <laughs> That's that Georgia. Like I said, that Georgia team is different. Um, but anyways, Rosario, Jock Peterson, Ozzy Albies, 
Mallory Pugh's boyfriend, <laughs> and Freddie Freeman. Got to have consistent offense out of those guys. And again, the left-handed relievers. Um, I think that could really be a recipe for disaster for Houston. Well, see, also encouraging other than Darno in the lineup was was the two through uh, six, uh, five guys. They all got a hit last night. You didn't put the runs across, but you know they didn't go in and only put up two hits. You still got seven hits. It means they're hitting the ball, and they're hitting the ball hard. So I am not concerned. I think the Braves win this one in six. I'm going to be with you on that one. I don't want to jinx it, so I'll knock on wood while I say it. I think the Braves win in six, too. I think y'all win three. I think you drop four, mm-hmm. and I think you win five and six. Man, I, I would. I want to clinch. I, I badly wanted to clinch in Atlanta, especially on Sunday, but that, 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 that's a pipe dream. If you miss any part of the scoreboard, go back and listen wherever you find your podcast. For Jacob Hillman, I'm Bay Mark saying so long and see you next week. Thank you for listening to the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.